It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. You know, I'm really excited for everybody because we get to spend the next two hours talking about cars. Uh, but we're going to start the news off, uh, the show off this week with a little bit of bad news. Afraid? VW announced they're killing off the Beetle. No more slug bug? No more slug bug. Well, That's we can terrible. still do the old ones, though, I guess. I want to ask you guys how you feel about the Beetle. So, Jen, tell me how you feel. Well, Jen, she's just going to hate it because it wasn't a truck and didn't have a diesel engine. Oh, I don't like diesels. I... Come on. <laughs> so? <laughs> no, I'm, I like the slug bug. I like the Beetle. I like the new concepts that they came out with the jean and denim jean and then the, yeah, the denim hot version. pink one for breast cancer. Chris and... likes the hot pink one. <laughs> I love the hot pink one. That's what I want to get Eden when she drives. A hot pink bug? Mm-hmm. You are the best mom in the world. Because she's you're... so tiny. She'll look adorable. <laughs> and the big <laughs> eyelashes. Be... She'll I love be those your... on the headlights. She'll be your very own Barbie doll. <laughs> your poor little daughter. I feel sad for her. Whatever, uh, man. My kids are super lucky. Yeah, because you buy them cars. I wish my parents bought me a car. Technically, uh, I haven't bought them any cars. No, because they're just about to start working. I start driving. No, uh, The only one that's driving is Noah. Yeah, Noah's driving an old school 2002 Ford Explorer. Is he? Yep. I didn't know you. Oh, that's right. It was a relative's vehicle that you yes. got him. All right, let's go back because we're already off track. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> let's go back to the bug. Chris, grab the microphone. <laughs> Tell us how you felt about the bug. I like the bug only because of all the Baja bugs that I've oh, seen. Oh, so you would like the Dune better than the bug. You, the Beetle Dune? Yeah, I guess. You know the bad thing? Not the bad thing, because I'd, I'd have a Dune with no problem. But the sad thing about the Beetle Dune is that it was actually a Golf. <laughs> and they yeah. just put a bug body on it, which is kind of like it was the same size as the Golf. Uh, Megan obviously really likes it. It's kind of a chick car, don't you think? I mean, it's a total chick car. The third generation, they manned up because they got rid of the flower pot. Um, but, <laughs> mistake. What? Yeah. That's mistake. Just a mistake. I don't know. I didn't feel comfortable having flowers on the in the dash. My who puts a flower pot? I don't know. Is that standard? Volkswagen. You got a flower pot. Generation one and two of the new Beetle had a flower pot. However, or Ryan, so the Beetle, would you drive one? Does this mean the TT's going to get canceled too? No, no, no. Because the TT's on a different platform. My goddaughter drives a little red beetle. Yeah. I don't like the beetle at all. So you have to think about this. You don't? No. It's a great kid car for a teenage girl. It's a fabulous car. The Fiat 500 is still around. Never heard of it. The miniest. What? I'm just kidding. kidding. I was like, whoa, you're on a car show. You know that, right? (laughs) The. The uh, the Cinquecento is uh, the Cinquecento still around the Fiat 500 and the Mini still around but the Icon is gone the bug which is it is interesting here's the most interesting portion of this I think they'll bring it back next year you know what no they're not he said they they're not bringing it back no the president I don't of VW him. said no he's, he said because it would be the new 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 Beetle they always bring everything back <laughs> yes you know what they are bringing back though the microbus. VW, yes. <laughs> Megan, Megan, your new Twitter account is called. No, your new Instagram account is called. Her Auto Expert. Yeah, look at that cheeky off the back of our show. Her Auto Expert is Megan's, uh, and ours is our Auto Expert. But um, you got lots of pictures of the microbus on there. Yeah, because it's like a lifestyle. I would enjoy that lifestyle. I don't know. Do you enjoy camping, Ryan? I think the VW bus is the best thing that's ever happened to Volkswagen. See, uh, um, Airstream contacted us and said, would I like to take a trip in an Airstream? And I said, yes, but can I bring my dogs? And they said, we have a no dog policy. And I said, I, no, sorry, thanks very much. And they said, we, we now have a dog policy. You can bring your dogs. 
So you want to? You don't want to come with me in an airstream with no, five dogs. No, You'll need, kill me. We need two airstreams. No, it's so your not. dogs in one and my kids in the other. I here's <laughs> and, the deal. And it could be a race. Here's the deal. I will tell you. I will tell you. I will take you on the airstream trip if you stay in the same airstream as me and five dogs. I'm allergic to dogs, Nick. All right. Well, guess what? I guess that's a no. You're not going to be doing it. So, all right. Uh, coming up in today's show, we still are going to talk to Anthony Garbus from Audi about their brand new RS5. Awesome vehicle. Got to drive that in Phoenix. Jerry uh, Spawn is here. Uh, he's going to talk about the Rolls-Royce Phantom. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Jim Morrison next from Ram Trucks. And, of course, our friend Anton Woolman, the crazy mad scientist, to talk about what's going on in the car investment and electric world. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines and they're off. Back to Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. I guess announcement of the year so far was the brand new Ram 1500. And uh, I'm kind of excited about this because I have had a Ram. I had the last generation uh, diesel version of the Ram. And this new generation uh, breaks a lot of ground. Jim Morrison joining us. He is the big cheese over at Ram. Uh, Jim, thank you for being on the show today. So this new 1500 breaks a lot of the rules. It's doing a lot of things that trucks have never done before. Uh, but at the same time, it's uh, more. It's probably the most capable Ram you've ever had, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, we, we tried to make sure that there was no compromises with this all new 2019 Ram. We wanted to make sure that customers didn't have to pick. You know, do I have this or do I have this? So we wrapped it all together in a no compromise package. And you're right, the capability for the all new Ram is is incredible. You know, we've got 2,300 uh, pounds of uh, payload or 12,700 pounds of uh, max tow, which is which is incredible for a 1500 truck. It's well in to uh, three-quarter ton territory when you think about it. So originally, what did, uh, did, you know, these size trucks, they were only able to tow about 10,000 pounds, and now uh, you to push the bar quite high. Yes, it's a 20% increase for both the towing and uh, and the payload for the new Ram. So it's uh, it's incredible. And we, we didn't uh, compromise fuel efficiency uh, or power or uh, fun to drive with the, uh, the truck either. Uh, and we even made it even uh, smoother and uh, um, more... Um, um, easy to drive every day to the, with the with the improved ride and handling. So let, I want to talk about a few things specifically on this vehicle. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that made big headlines when you announced it. Uh, the fir- first of all is the screen on the inside, uh, and I'm sure you're sick and tired of people telling you it's very similar to Tesla, but it is very similar to the Tesla screen, right? Well, it is, and it, you know, it's it's really nice to hear you know Ram and Tesla in the same sentence, and <laughs> you know we did break the uh, uh, break the mold when we decided. You know, we wanted to put a 12-inch screen in the new RAM, and and you know, um, a lot of um, people aren't familiar with how technologically advanced you know the truck buyer is, and and uh, they were asking for that uh, type of uh, technology in their truck, and and uh, we were able to deliver the 12-inch screen is uh, is a joy to work and and uh, incredible to look at, and and uh, very functional as well. It's pretty incredible that you guys are not only putting down the truck market, but you're putting down the SUV market with the interior and the quality. Like there's 
people that are out there that can go out there and get an SUV and not get near as many attributes as you have in this new Ram 1500? Well, you know, thanks for noticing because we asked the guys to give us the best um, interior in the truck world. And, and, you know, that was a few years ago when we gave them the challenge and, and they came back with arguably with, you know, one of the best interiors in the market. You can put this, you know, toe to toe with the premium SUVs or the premium cars and uh, with the, you know, uh, genuine real wood, uh, metal and, uh, and leather. There's more leather in this truck uh, than any other uh, in the marketplace. And it's, uh, it's incredible how nice the interiors are in these uh, new Rams. Let, let me talk about one of the other things that's been making uh, headlines is the fact that you increased the uh, rear cab space by four inches. So the seats could recline in the second row. Unusual. Yes. You know, a lot of our, our customers, you know, are, are kept asking us, you know, make more space in the back row. And, you know, whether you think about it from the traditional way, you know, traditional buyer, you know, three big dudes going to a job site or, you know, really what is evolving, you know, into being, you know, the, the uh, one of the biggest seg- sub-segments of the, the truck market is putting three kid seats across the back, um, you know, because the ride and handling is so good in these trucks. Uh, it's incredible to be able to have a, uh, you know, a rear seat that can recline. It's got 45 inches of legroom, which you know, is best in class, which means you can put a, you know, a 6'3 dude in the back and uh, have lots of space. You don't have to worry about bumping out el- uh, elbows and, and knees or have all the space for your family. And it's uh, it's nice. Now, you originally announced, I think, six different trim levels when you first came uh, to the Detroit show with this. But I see that almost every week you're adding a different trim level. We introduced the uh, the tradesman at the uh, at the work uh, truck show uh, earlier um, uh, this week, so uh, you know full range of uh, of products, you know from you know, kind of thirty two thousand dollars right up to uh, sixty thousand dollars. All right, Jim, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about engine choices and uh, and the diesel, and I also want to talk about the competition because you're not the only people with a new truck in the marketplace, uh, and we're going to see how that's going to hot up because I know the fight for a second place is uh, is really really strong. So that's all as our auto expert returns. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Jim Morrison on the phone with us from Ram Trucks. We're talking about the new 1500, which is newly announced and uh, will be going to market very soon. Actually, when when can I buy one, Jim? Well, you know, the um, the vehicles are, are just now being released uh, from our factory in Detroit and, and uh, headed on the way to dealership. So before the end of the uh, month of March. We're going to have to wait a year for the diesel version, right? Yes. Yeah, the diesel comes out in 2019. So uh, right now, what are you coming to market with as far as engines are concerned? Uh, first engine out of the chute is our 5.7 Hemi. Um, and then uh, we're going to add e-torque to that later in the year, uh, which is basically a mild hybrid version of the uh, the Hemi. The Hemi. Uh, as you know, the Hemi has 395 horsepower, 410 torque, but uh, it supplements that with the uh, electric uh, up to 130 extra pound feet of torque so it's it's a great addition it's it's going to get um uh, probably another uh, 10 percentage points of improvement in fuel economy and uh, and really feel uh, fun to drive as well with the extra power that it's putting down um, and then later in the year we're going to have a uh, an e-torque version of our 3.6 liter uh, pentastar v6 so there'll be three offerings uh that we uh, layer in uh in this year 
You know, I mean, it's very hard for me to say this because uh, it's being biased. But when you look at the three best-selling vehicles in the United States, uh, the Ford F-150 is the number one best-selling vehicle, followed by the Chevy Silverado, and then the Ram 1500 is number three. Um, I've always been a fan of the brand, but ultimately... uh, this new vehicle, there's very little that the competition can do with some of the things that you've done to to beat it. So are you expecting to see that sales position increase? Because I know you're right on the, he- on the heels of Chevy with a Silverado. Uh, you jump sometimes into second place. Do you think you could end up finishing second place at the end of 2018? Well, Nick, you know, we certainly, certainly hope so. And one of the things that, you know, we're really proud of is, is – uh, the Ram brand uh, has um, the highest loyalty, and Ram 1500 uh, specifically as well has been named as the uh, the best loyalty for two years in a row uh, of any half-ton pickup truck. So, you know, we're bringing new customers onto the brand, but more importantly, they're staying with us. So, you know, they like what they're getting with the durable truck. They like how uh, their dealers are treating them, and uh, and they like the, you know, the, the fact that, um, you know, the Ram brand kind of fits into their uh, – uh, into their personality, you know, and and uh, all of those uh, lead to um, you know uh, sales growth. We've had good sales growth over uh, the last seven years, and and uh, hopefully 2018 uh, you know continues uh, with uh, with this new truck coming online for us for sure. So next week uh, we are going to be together in uh, in Arizona test driving this vehicle. What am I going to experience? Well, Nick, this is going to be the best part of it. I mean, it, you've you've absolutely. Um, you know, highlighted the uh, the key things that people are talking about now. But what we're really proud uh, about with this new truck is is putting you in it and and experiencing the uh, the overall uh, ride and the feel uh, and you know the overall feeling you get when you're driving. You know, the premium technology that's you know underneath this this truck with the coil suspension. The guys have done it a great job taking it to the next level. Arguably, we had the best riding truck before, uh, but we've taken it to the next level again, and, and it's really fun to drive. You know, to wrap yourself in all of that luxury, and whether it be in the front seat or the back seat at the same time, Nick, that's going to be the best part about this experience with you here next week, is you'll be able to be one of the very first people to drive this truck. We'll look forward to driving the vehicle with you next week, and it allows me to get into the back, that pop-out step. Everyone's smiling in the studio. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Uh, Audis and we're also going to talk about Rolls Royces. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. On the phone with me is Anthony Garbus, a good friend of mine from Audi. He's in. He's Anthony. You actually in charge of product? Did you decide what our cars look like when they hit the market? Uh, for the most part, yes. Well, only for some of the model range. So I do A4, A5, Q5, uh, and R8. Pretty much all the important ones. Well, at least the R8. This is the, yeah, know. I like to say really the important cars. Yeah. <laughs> My colleague who does the other cars doesn't really appreciate that, though. <laughs> yeah. I like it. All right, let's talk about the uh, A5 family and the RS5 in, in particular. Uh, I counted on my uh, sure. fingers. There are eight versions of this car available now. Uh, we have a lot of variants of the A5 body family. I mean, when you think about it, when we launched 10 years ago, it was a coupe, right? The A5 coupe, S5 coupe. And now we have a full family, including the Sportback. 
back now. So A5 Smallback, S5 Smallback, and of course the Cabriolet, um, and then the Coupes. And so, yes, it's grown a lot. The A5 family actually is about 10% of the volume of Audi now, which is pretty good. I like uh, I like the Sportsback. Uh, was definitely my favorite until this car came along, the RS5. So thanks for, for ruining <laughs> the Sportback for me because... Now I'm like, oh, I kind of like this one even better. Uh, the RS family of Audi started uh, quite a few years ago and has been quite a success in the U.S., hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it started in, in 2003. We got the RS6 um, sedan, and you had an RS4 sedan, and we had very few, and they used to come at the end of the life cycle of the car. So you had one year, maybe two with them. And now, as you see with the RS5 Cooper coming in the beginning of the life cycle, of the car and so we'll have them around for a longer period of time let's talk about uh the how the sort of whole audi family works so you have the a's which are you know you have your Mm -hmm. a3 a4 a5 a7 a8 and so the a is kind of like the foundation model and then on top of that you get the variants of them and so um how, how do those variants work how do i know by the nomenclature what a car is and how cool it is Sure. I mean, I think this is one thing where we do extremely well, um, better than I think a lot of other manufacturers. A, for your base model, S, for your performance model, and RS for like the ultimate high performance model. And when you go from A to S, it's not just body style. You're getting brakes, uh, suspension, engine, uh, interior updates as well. And then RS builds on the S model even more with much more uh, track development and testing and uh, maximum performance. So an RS model is the best, most performance version that that family can be. So an RS5 is the best you're going to get from a A5 S5 family car because it's been completely tweaked and worked uh, on the Nürburgring. So now what about your supercar? How does that fit in? So R8 and RS are the same. They're both development by Audi Sport. And then uh, you have A and S models, which are developed under Audi, uh, I was surprised to find out that the RS5 uh, was developed on the Nürburgring, but that's not unusual for you guys, right? No, if you see in the RS or an R8, these cars are developed on the Nürburgring, and then they have their uh, validation test also then on the Nürburgring. You do 5,000 miles of development over a couple of weeks, you know, tuning in the chassis and everything, and then you have your validation test when you've had your concept, and then you want to prove it. You do another 5,000 miles in about two to three weeks. And you have parameters for brake and uh, you know, how it functions up, tire, et cetera, over these. And that's that's what you're buying when you get an RS model. So the, the and now a, a mile on the Nürburgring is equal to how many miles on a regular road? It's up to about nine miles. So depending on, you know, on average, say one mile on the ring is about nine miles on the road. So this car has 90,000 miles of, uh, you know, road driving under its belt in just over a month. All right. I mean, that that to me is some considerable testing. Everyone <laughs> here crazy. is like, whoa, wow. that's a lot of miles tested of yeah. one of these vehicles. Yeah. So obviously, the you know, the a, let's say the A5 buyer is looking for a great coupe-style family transporter uh, that seats, mm-hmm. that seats the, everyone in their family. They, if they get the S5, they're looking for that great, the, everything the same as, as the first statement, but they're looking for a little more performance. So what's the RS uh, buyer looking for? Uh, uh, something to head off a midlife crisis? 
the buyer for this car is someone who they work hard and they reward themselves and they're rewarding themselves with this sort of a vehicle. And there's also a lot of exclusivity that goes into the buyer of an RS because they don't want to pull up next to someone at a stoplight with the exact same car as theirs. Whereas you're much more likely in an A5 or something uh, to do that. All right, when we come back, uh, let's ask, I'm going to ask you about specifics for this uh, RS5 and we'll talk a little bit about the, the driving dynamics and why you didn't let me drive it on the track. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. I'm still on the phone with us, Antti Garbus from Audi. Antti, uh, let's talk specifically about the RS5. So uh, I get quite a lot of very cool features. If I was just to glance at the car side by side with a, an S5 or an A5, uh, I would definitely be able to tell that this was a sexier beast, right? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I think you notice, aside from you know the honeycomb in the front, the larger grill, the bigger air inlets, which are all functional um, to feed the cooling for this uh, motor, is the the 15 millimeter wider fenders on each side, front and rear. So you have a much wider stance of this car and it's proportionally i think looks fantastic when you you talk about some of the the cool uh stuff on the exterior the alu optic which is a name which uh did you guys make that mm -hmm. up by the way alu optic or was it, was it... <laughs> i mean it's been alu optic for as long as i can remember back in the day with the original like s models the mirrors were actually solid pieces of aluminum and so then they moved into like aluminum coating and now it's just aluminized paint so it's alu optic and then you you've also given it this sort of blacked out look as well on the outside haven't you it's a certain parts yeah. blacked out yeah so you can take then your window trim the surround of the front radiator grill and uh, the big blade on the front and rear of the car which also then go high gloss black the, the black optics are very, very liked feature uh, by these customers. All right, let's, let's talk about what people buy these vehicles for, and that is the incredible road performance. Um, this vehicle has mm -hmm. quite a few uh, th pieces on it which are very specific to, uh, to this sort of high-end sports cars where uh, the ratio of suspension travel and, and the ratio of steering are actually fixed after certain speeds, aren't they? Yeah, so um, with the RS5, this new generation, we get dynamic ride control. And this is uh, where your, your dampers are cross-linked. So the front left is linked with the rear right and vice versa. And it essentially acts as like an active anti-roll bar to reduce pitch and roll. And uh, there are two air tanks uh, in the back of the car that are uh, filled to about 30 bar each. And this is how then you can adjust uh, how the oil flows uh, to the linked dampers. And uh, there's three different modes. So you drive select, and that'll then uh, adjust how firm the suspension is going to be. And uh, it's really great because when you put it in dynamic, the whole car changes. The whole character of the car changes. It gets very firm and aggressive. And that's when you're really going to the track. You're going to go tear up the back roads. And you put it into comfort mode, and you drive around town normally, and you go run errands and pick up groceries and that's just really yeah i, I think yeah. at 140 miles an hour in arizona which may have someone may have taken this car 140 miles now i'm not sure who it was but <laughs> uh, at 140 miles an hour it probably handles pretty well right i mean the car is built to drive an autobahn all day right it'll go up to 174 miles an hour which is electronically limited and it's comfortable doing it and that's uh, again what thing you get from the you know nurburgring testing and then uh the steering ratio also will be fixed so if you get the dynamic steering um when you put it in dynamic mode it'll fix the ratio at 13.5 to 1 which is very quick and you always have a consistent response and then if you adjust the drive select mode you'll have a variable steering ratio you know easier to park and uh easier to drive around town 
So it's very cool because all these features are important because the whole point of the RS5 is not to build just some like track only car that you don't want to drive around town. It's to build this grand tour that you can use in every situation. The biggest problem I have, of course, is that as soon as you develop something like, that you can drive on the track, that's all I want to do with it. <laughs> I sit there, okay, you know, I <laughs> yeah. can pick up groceries in pretty much any car I buy, but at the same time, you know, not every car I buy can turn corners at the speed that the RS5 can. Uh, Anthony Garbus, thank you so much for joining us, talking about the uh, the brand new uh, Audi RS5, and uh, I'll look forward to the long-term loan of driving in my driveway very soon. Yeah, let me get right on that. <laughs> Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. All right, just to remind everybody, our social media is Our Auto Expert. Please feel free to go and follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, You can also... Uh, go to our website, ourautoexpert.com, and uh, Instagram have a very cool thing where you can check out the hashtag and follow a hashtag now. So you can just follow the hashtag ourautoexpert. Uh, you can see all of our videos online of the cars we've been reviewing every week, all of those special junkets that we go on from car companies where we get to do things like drive on the ice with Kia or uh, go to the big auto shows from around the world, including the SEMA and New York, Detroit, Chicago, LA. Uh, you can see all the new models as they're released and also read uh, the articles that the Our Auto Expert team has been writing about cars. That's all on the website at ourautoexpert.com and uh, don't forget, social media, follow us or email us and let us know what your questions are for the show. When we come back, more on cars including some very spectacular Rolls Royces. We'll be finding out about the brand new Rolls Royce Phantom when our auto expert returns. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Into hour two of the show, uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on. want to take a couple of minutes and talk about some math that I've done. So everybody's still talking about the uh, the increase in steel, 25% on imported steel that uh, President Trump has imposed on the United States, 10% on aluminum. How will that affect the price of your car? Did a little high school math here. So there are about 2,400 pounds of steel in every single car that is produced in the United States. Presuming that that steel is imported, uh, it's about a dollar a pound right now for brand new steel. We're just talking about raw materials because nothing else would change in the uh, the whole gamut of the steel tariffs. So $2,400 is what that steel actually cost in raw material. If it goes at 25%, that's a $600 increase. That's not an awful lot of money on a $30,000, $40,000 car. Uh, it is quite a little, a lot of money if you're talking about a $12,000 car, but they have a lot less steel in them, so the average amount of steel goes down. But there's a caveat to this situation. So what, and I'm going to ask the team here, if you replace the steel in a car, with, and, and not with aluminum, but you replace the steel, what would you replace steel with in a car? Come on, guys. Is this a trick question? No, it's no trick question. Well, I can just pick any metal I want? No, but what would you replace it with? What's the obvious thing that you would put in a car instead of steel? Come on, Ryan. You Tungsten? Know this. No. 
I'm gonna let them answer. <laughs> well, General Motors just came out with the carbon fiber. Ah, carbon frame. fiber. So what is carbon fiber made of? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> fiber? It's a plastic, right? Oh, wait, plastic. Okay. Right. So it's made of carbon oil. <laughs> I think the reason that this tariff was put in place is so we use more plastic in cars, uh, one of the reasons, and that would be more oil products. Just saying, just a theory, conspiracy theory, but I'm, I'm Look, I'm from West there. Texas, from the Permian Basin. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> because you want more oil in cars. All right, let's talk about this. Jen, you uh, you checked out this new tire from Goodyear. Yeah, um, Goodyear actually came out with a new concept tire at Geneva this year. It's a photosynthesis tire. It's actually called uh, Oxygen. So what it does is it, it has live moss inside the walls, and it's made um, of recycled rubber powder. And uh, it absorbs the water in the um, the, the oxygen. <laughs> it reduces the carbon dioxide from the road and releases oxygen to reduce emissions. This, you know, it almost sounds like a joke. I just like it almost sounds like it's no, not real. No, but and it's really weird because then it, the inside of the tire has uh Li-Fi. So it'll actually um wirelessly interact with other vehicles. Similar to how Google Maps let us know how far traffic is and how bad traffic is, it's pushing off Li-Fi from all the devices that are using Google Maps to let us know what the traffic's like with everybody that's on the road. Right. So we're trying to reduce you know, the carbon dioxides and uh, keep track of everybody else it, it, by your tire. Kind of weird. It uh, is. Moss in a tire that has Wi-Fi. Um, I'm not sure it's something, you know, what are they, like $30,000 a piece? Well, it's in concept right now. So they're trying to push, I think, for two years. Can we get someone from Goodyear to join us? I to will have this to is do that. Little, I, like, I need to know more about this. Do you this. think that would make your car smell? This would be great for the Northwest. You can just grab some from the trees to refill. <laughs> Refill your tire. Go to a mossy tree and scrape. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it sounds... I need to know more about it, though. It sounds very environmentally clever, uh, but it also sounds a bit weird. Megan's shaking her head because, of course, the woman from Texas doesn't like it. They don't have moss in Texas. That just doesn't sound right to me. You know, I'm going to have to call the company. Yeah, can you call them again? I will. I need to know more about it. So this. you're saying these, these tires would only do good in a cold weather, rainy environment? Well, wet environment. If, if it absorbs water from the road, what happens to the moss? Does it die? But what if it absorbs no, it's a, too it's, much water? It's alive. It lives. It expands within the tire. What if you have to drive through like a big puddle? Well, now that's what you want. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's your what you want. Yeah, but what happens is your You don't want to drown it. Yeah, Megan's got a good point there. Does No, not drown it. <laughs> I killed the moss. I drowned it. No, but what happens, the more water absorbs, the heavier it gets, the more fuel you use. Mm -hmm. Just saying it might be environmental yeah, back throw off the here. balance of your tire. I mean, and no, then it'll start wobbling. No, no, but we don't want because water's going to settle evenly. This is All just right. a car for the Northwest or tire for the Northwest. I don't think so. I'm, I'm more confused now than I was when I woke up this morning in, in a bunch of beer cans. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to talk about the Rolls-Royce Phantom. That's on our auto expert. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. I know this is the point of the show that you guys have been waiting for. Uh, we're going to talk about Phantom. No, not that kind of Phantom. The 
most premier luxury product in the world. And I don't just say luxury car, I say luxury product because uh, Rolls-Royce are well accepted as the most premier luxury manufacturer in the world. And the Phantom being their largest and probably the latest, most prestigious car is uh, is the one that's getting all the attention. We're going to talk to Jerry Spawn about the Phantom. But first of all, Jennifer, you have been doing some Rolls-Royce research and you came up with an interesting fun fact. I did. In 1921, Rolls-Royce opened a factory in Springfield, Massachusetts. They built 1,700 Springfield Ghosts and closed after 10 years. I wonder how much those are worth now. Hey, Jerry, uh, have, have you? is there any Springfield Ghosts still in existence? There are uh, quite a few Springfield Rolls Royces in existence today. Um, I see them. I see them regularly. You know, one of the beautiful things about Rolls Royces is that you know they, they're engineered to the highest level. But people that collect them take wonderful care of them. And did you know that seventy percent of every Rolls Royce car ever built is still driving today? Wow! That and I, I actually have been in some of the uh, the older versions too. That's incredible. In fact, my friend uh, Eric Newland has a nineteen fifty seven. Um, Silver Ghost, I think it is. So yeah, he's beautiful, beautiful cars. Uh, I guess we should set some ground rules here. And and Jerry, jump in at any point and sure. correct me if I get it wrong. So Rolls Royce hand built. Uh, the cars are uh, very bespoke, so nobody just goes into a showroom and sees what they have and and, and buys one. Uh, if they have a new Rolls Royce, everything from the wood to the leather to the artwork in on the dash to the hand painted pinstripe lines on the side is chosen by the manufacturer, uh, chosen by the buyer. Um, and the 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 brand new Phantom is the largest and uh, probably the most opulent Rolls Royce that you've ever made, right? Well, I I won't argue with any of that, and I'll, I'll leave the the most opulent. I think absolutely, it's as opulent as you want it to be. But you know, I want to go back to what the way you introduced it, Nick, and I think you hit the nail on the head, and that is the Phantom is a luxury item. It's 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 more than a motor car. It transcends being a car. And, you know, we say, you know, we refer to our clients as clients, uh, much as a jeweler or a, or a tailor or a couture designer would. From that sense, um, you can make it as understated or as overstated as you would like it to be. Um, you know, basically, we always say um, the limit of the Rolls Royce is the limit of your imagination and, of course, regulatory measures. Yeah, and sometimes you want to get around those uh, because you want things in your car you can't have. Let's talk about some of those uh, those bespoke items that you guys have done in the past. Uh, I guess I have two which uh, make me very happy, a big smile on my face. The two best stories that I've taken away from uh, the Rolls-Royce factory in Goodwood. I guess it's not factory. We should call it headquarters uh, where the Rolls-Royce is a hand assembled. Uh, first of all was the wood uh, which was put into one of the cars is the tree from uh, the gentleman's front garden which came down in a storm and he took the wood into you guys and you actually manufactured this wood on the inside of the car, didn't you? Well, actually, yes. It was It was a, the, a tree that he'd grown up with. Uh, he had swung from it as a child and um, we actually went out and uh, collected um, the burr from the tree because you have to take the you have to take the uh, the cut for the wood veneer from a certain portion of the tree. So we went out and collected that, brought it into our workshop, into the into the wood shop, uh, created uh, the veneer for his Rolls Royce out of that tree that he'd grown up with. So when when he was inside his Rolls Royce driving his his the, the, the vehicle he commissioned, um, he had his history with him. Um, you know, when we look back, some of us who are a bit on the 
the older side of um, you know millennial. We remember those years when Rolls Royce was the two older uh, landed gentry trading great coupon. Today. The people who own and drive and are commissioning or building the Rolls Royces of the future are people that have built their own lives, built their businesses. And, uh, you know, it's what we refer to as first generational or self-made wealth. Uh, so that's one part that I love about the story. And it's all it's all very um, personally for me. It's inspirational. All right, January, when we return, let's talk some uh, actual bits and pieces on this car. And uh, we'll go from front to back and talk about some of the most incredible pieces of mechanisms luxury and comfort that this car comes with including its own set of champagne glasses and a champagne fridge keep your radio tuned to como news more our auto expert is on the way he's nick miles and this is our auto expert on como news 1000 fm 97.7 Jerry Spawn's still on the phone with us. We're talking about the brand new 8th generation Rolls-Royce Phantom. So, Jerry, let's start on the outside. Uh, I saw this car accidentally uh, last year, about almost exactly a year ago. I was walking through Goodwood, which is Rolls-Royce's headquarters in England, and uh, half of the factory was sealed off with curtains. Uh, or drapes, as you might call them here. Uh, so you couldn't see the line because they were uh, putting the Phantom through its paces on the line and le- learning how it needed to be built. Uh, a gust of wind came through the factory and blew them up, and there she was. The Phantom was sitting on the line. I got a glimpse of her, but I, I couldn't actually tell the difference. And that's one of the things uh, immediately when you look at it, it, it doesn't look different from any Rolls-Royce that you've made before, yet is highly different, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's that's important when we design a new, any new product uh, for Rolls-Royce, is we have to be respectful to the brand, but we also want to be respectful to our clients who've just commissioned a Phantom 7. You know, so we go, we're looking for an evolution of the design, and um, Giles Taylor, who's the our head of design who uh, inked this car, uh, was very clear uh, that he had an almost impossible task of making this the phantom for the 21st century, but using the design language from the 92-year history of phantom. So let's talk about the uh, what's under the hood. Um, as in every Rolls-Royce, it's got an awful lot of power and a huge engine. But, uh, yes. Uh, you know, one of the hallmark of riding in a Rolls-Royce is the magic carpet ride. And the magic carpet ride is a function of of the power uh, and weight of the car. The weight of the car gives you an incredible stability. And that V12, um, this is a 6.75 liter. This is for the first time uh, a twin turbo engine in the Phantom um, is is driven with a eight-speed uh, automatic transmission. And it's all in the tuning and it's all in the engineering to give you incredible uh, propulsion. I like that to use that word. It's not acceleration, it's propulsion. And to give you a ride that uh, gives you a sense of like you're flying on Earth. So for me, one of the highlights of the car is the drive um, because of things like the satellite guided uh, aided transmission. But really, especially with the Phantom, it's not as much as in the front seat as it is in the back seat, right? Well, yes, Phantom is the limousine of the lineup. It is unquestionably um, the the best seat in the Phantom 
Well, well, you could argue it could be behind the wheel or um, in the rear compartment. Um, there is a high level of luxury and comfort built into the rear compartment. Well, of it's it's, so it's of, no slouch. It's no slouch. Don't get me wrong, but it's riding <laughs> riding in the back of this car is, and I obviously I did that is probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Unparalleled. I, I, I don't think anybody would argue with that. What that does is it gives our interior designers you know, both a challenge and an opportunity to do things like uh, you said as to how to put in um, the way we've engineered the floor so that it moves up and down to provide a, an organic footrest. I think that to me it makes it just the most personal. I mean, uh, you know, along with the wood, the gloves, everything else. Uh, Jerry, uh, the team voted here is that this is the one single car that we would want as a long-term loan. So we'll maybe we'll talk off air about that. <laughs> we'll 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 chat about that. Yeah. Okay, okay, guys. <laughs> Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. And of course, the uh, the brand new uh, Phantom is available for order now. If you are that daring enough, when our auto expert returns we'll talk about the phantom's price and we'll talk about how you can follow us 24 7 como news there's more to come with nick miles stay tuned our auto expert will be right back como news time to set it on cruise control this is our auto expert here's nick miles Joining us on the phone, Anton Wallman. He is our independent investor and analyst. Uh, Anton, we've had a, uh, just over a week to digest uh, the whole Geneva Auto Show and an extremely large amount of electric and future news for cars coming out of Geneva. Let's start off with the announcement by VW that they think that diesel will be coming back. Strangely, this is coming from VW, who got whacked really hard for their diesel. That's right. So Volkswagen, of course, has been spending the better part of the last two and a half years uh, playing defense and promising to launch several dozens of new all-electric cars over the next handful of years. Uh, its brand CEO uh, did an interview in which uh, he basically said that uh, when you scrape away the, way the vanities of uh, uh, kind of the electric car fashion, he does think that there is still a place for diesel and that diesel will undergo, he said, a little bit of a renaissance in just a few short years' time. So one kind of wonders here, and one certainly can't be faulted for being more than a little bit confused as to uh, uh, what they really believe, because they are certainly plowing literally tens of billions of euros, several tens of billions of euros, into a future electric car world, while at the same time, basically doubting what the consumer is ultimately going to buy. So does this mean that uh, they are working on replacement diesel engines that they pulled from the market after the scandal? Well, Volkswagen is one of the companies that never said that they were going to stop developing diesels. They, of course, stopped selling them specifically in the U.S. market and in the U.S. market alone, but not in other geographies. So from that standpoint, uh, I, I, they've kind of kept their cards close to the vest. I mean, I see them continuing to develop diesel engines. The problem that they are facing in part is that the sales of diesel engine in Europe has gone down over the last sort of 18 months. It used to be sort of 52 to 54% of their sales mix. 
And now it's down by about 10 percentage points to something closer to 42 to 44 percent of their sales mix in Europe. And uh, that's a problem. But again, 40 40 sort of percent, give or take, uh, is still a very, very large number. And uh, if the consumer continues to want to buy diesels from them, they will continue to not just sell them, but develop them. So Peugeot Citroën, who actually don't sell vehicles currently in the United States, also uh, weighed in on the whole electric uh, car systems. And they, they're talking about they think subsidies are a thing that's necessary, right? Well, specifically with respect to the electric car charging networks, uh, Carlos Tavares, the CEO of PSA, the uh, Peugeot holding company, he said that uh, the European laws concerning CO2 regulations for sales of new automobiles should essentially be suspended uh, to the degree that the governments in Europe do not build out the electric car charging networks to a sufficient degree to entice the consumers to buy requisite quantities of these electric cars. So he basically said, these electric car charging networks, we're not paying for them. The governments are going to have to pay for them. Uh, They're the ones that are setting the requirements that people have to buy EVs. We're not going to build out the networks. And if they don't buy uh, sort of build out these networks for us, then we're obviously not going to be able to sell as many electric cars. And uh, then we're not going to be able to fulfill these mandates. So that's a very interesting take on the matter. And it sets the stage for a pretty dramatic showdown over the next couple of years. All right, Jaguar announcing the price of the new I-Pace. Uh, it comes in quite heavily, around seventy thousand. That's right. So in the United States, the car will start at $70,495, including the $995 destination charge. Sales uh, is set to begin in the United States this summer. And uh, that price puts the car a little bit below the Tesla Model S and the Tesla Model X. All right, Anton, perfect segue. When we return, let's talk about those sales numbers from Europe. Huge drops in the price of, uh, or huge drops in the amount of Tesla's sold. We'll talk about that when our auto expert returns. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines and they're off. Back to Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Anton Warman still on the phone with us. Anton, so uh, numbers in from Tesla in Europe. Uh, there seems to be quite a large drop in the amount of sales that they have had in the first two, three months of the 2018 calendar year. That's right. For January and February combined, Tesla saw a 63% drop in the units of cars that it has sold in its 12 largest markets inside Europe compared to the previous quarter. That's a very big drop, and uh, we can speculate as to why this has happened, but this puts Tesla significantly in the hole for what it needs to recover in the month of March in order to prevent a major quarterly shortfall for the first quarter of the year. So do we think this is going to be super damaging for their future? Um, And why is this happening? Well, uh, of course, there are a variety of reasons why people are speculating and this has happened. 
there was an issue specifically in Norway, which is their largest market in Europe by far, uh, where people thought in the early part of the fourth quarter, the previous quarter, that the subsidies were going to be reduced for Tesla in early 2018. And that, uh, they learned midway through the quarter, turned out not to happen. So some of the sales that uh, would otherwise have happened here in early 2018, people ended up taking delivery late in the fourth quarter. So they that may have had a some impact. Uh, the other reason, which I think is more significant than longer term, is simply competition. Uh, Audi and Jaguar and Hyundai have been beating the grass very heavily here in the last couple of months in the country of Norway to begin with uh, in order to get pre-orders for the Jaguar I-Pace, the Audi e-tron, and the Hyundai Kona EV. And I think it's pretty clear that there are a lot of people in a few countries in Europe that have decided to hold off on their electric car purchases until later in the year when these competitive products are hitting the showrooms. So there's also some interesting news out of Mercedes-Benz. The Mercedes-Benz chief talking about uh, the fact that hybrids may be a a long-term solution rather than a stopgap. That's right. So at the Geneva Auto Show, Mercedes introduced two new plug-in hybrids. And they're not just any plug-in hybrids. They're diesel-electric plug-in hybrids. There have been very few of those in the market that have been launched by any automaker previously, especially in regular passenger cars. And these are, in their case right now, for the E-Class sedan and the C-Class sedan. And these products, they claim, are not just a transitory product that are stepping stone to a full electric future, but they really view these products as a kind of a longer-term solution whereby uh, we really just don't see the end of the envelope in terms of when all of the market is going to be ready for fully electric cars, but rather they really believe that these cars will have a life that goes beyond kind of the five to 10 year horizon. Didn't uh, Ford one time demonstrate a diesel plug-in hybrid uh, electric truck uh, or a diesel um, hybrid truck? That was one of the things that they said they were developing and and sort of never never came to fruition, I guess it was. Yeah, no, a lot of companies have shown, uh, Volkswagen as well, diesel electric hybrids. But the problem with them is that you're talking about uh, a very expensive solution. I mean, a diesel engine is fundamentally far more expensive to manufacture with all of the emissions cleaning equipment that you need to include with these engines than a gasoline engine. It's always good to talk to you. We'll talk to you again next week. As our auto expert continues, we'll tell you how you can follow us 24-7. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Jen, how much is that Rolls-Royce Phantom? Or did you find a price on it? Yeah, it starts at $411,000. All right. The one I drove, I drove it for about 10 minutes, by the way, in Palm Springs. The one I drove, $647,000. But how can you put a price on it, really? I mean, it's bespoke. Yeah, a bit, well, well, like... Basics, 411000 When I say, hey, Jen, I need you to do this, and you go, Nick, it's going to cost you this much. That's basically you're doing bespoke work for me. Were you scared right. to drive a car that... No, it's... 
definitely not hard to drive. It's really, really easy to drive. The scary thing is, you know, going through like gate posts. Because <laughs> you're like, if I scratch this, this is hand painted in England. The guy actually, the pinstripe on the sides, paints it by hand. Oh, my. We, Ryan and I, Ryan's very first press trip was a Rolls Royce press trip. We went to drive the, uh, what drive, car did we drive? I'm so spoiled. We showed up in La Jolla and I walk out front and there's a Don with a, a Rolls Royce Don with the door open and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you can follow us 24 7 on ourautoexpert.com. We'll be back next week with another delicious show. Stay connected, stay informed. This is Como News.